Part Three, Chapter Seven of *The Pride of Ginnacle*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. *The Pride of Ginnacle* by Edgerton and Agnes Castle. Part Three, Chapter Seven. For the space of a few seconds, we three stood motionless the awful stillness of the shadow of death was upon our souls then broaching from the distance came again to our ears the sound of hoofs the stumbling trot of a tired horse and the quick wits of yamos were awakened into action into the carriage my lady said he and you my lord we have loosed enough shots for one day and so it is best we should move on again and avoid these other gentlemen he smiled as he spoke a grim triumphant smile as for me it was certes nothing less than triumphant i felt in my heart i would have prince eugen dead indeed but not so not so let us at least cried i a little wildly see if he still breathes no need my lord and Janos caught me by the wrist i am not so old yet he added eyeing his weapon with a delighted look but what i can still aim straight did i not know him to be as truly carrion now as his good horse itself poor beast but i would surely enough dispatch him as he lies there biting the mud but no need my lord right in the heart the man was dead before he touched the ground and as he spoke janos dragged us towards the coach the driver half risen from his seat still clutching one rein seemed struck into an imbecility of terror the horses now quieted stretching their necks luxuriously against the loosened bits were sniffing at the snow as if in the hope of lighting upon a blade of grass anna sat on the steps her face blanched to a sort of grey up with you said janos and pushed her with his knee do you not see your lady is faint the words aroused her and they roused me in truth ottilie seemed scarcely able to sustain herself it was time i carried her away from such scenes after closing the doors janos handed me the musketoon and the cartouche box with the brief remark his lordship had better load again the while i drive for this coachman of ours is out of his wits with fright and thus we started once more and in the crash and rattle of the speed to which janos mercilessly put the horses the stumbling paces of the approaching pursuers were lost to our hearing the draught of air across her face revived ottilie who now sat up with courage and tried to smile at me though her face was still set in a curious hardness whilst i with the best ability of a sprained wrist reloaded and reprimed events as i have oft thought since have proved how happy a thought it had been of mine some two weeks before when we made our preparations to leave london and to gratify my good Janos's desire for one of those admirable double barrels i had seen him so appreciatively and so covetously handle at fargus and mantons in soho when we reached the neck of the valley i leaned out again and looked back the scene of that crisis in my eventful life lay already some hundred yards below us the second of our pursuers a dragoon of Lignitz, as i now could see by his white coat dirty yellow against the snow was in the act of dismounting from his exhausted steed i watched him bend over the prostrate figure of his chief for an instant or two then straighten himself to gaze up at our retreating coach then with his arms behind him and his legs apart in what even at that distance i could see was an attitude of philosophical indifference turned towards the approaching figure of his comrade who some hundred yards further down now made his appearance on the road crawling onwards on an obviously foundered horse 
it was evident that whatever admiration the margrave may have commanded during his lifetime his death did not inspire his followers with any burning desire to avenge it i leant out further and handed back the loaded musketoon to janos you may spare our horses now said i there is no fear of further pursuit to-day ay my lord so i see responded the hind with a cheerful jerk of the head in our rear and moreover in a quarter of an hour we shall be across the border now of our story there is little more to tell and well for us that it is so for one may as i have said chronicle strange adventures and perils of life and limb and one may pour out upon paper the sorrows of an aching heart the frenzy of despair but the sweet intimate details of happiness must be kept secret and sacred not only from the pen but from the tongue it will not however come amiss that to complete my narrative in which one day if heaven will my children shall learn the romance of their parents wooing and marriage i should set down how it came about that the margrave contrived to his own undoing to track us so speedily how with his death came the dispelling of the shadows upon both our lives shortly after our return to tollendal a letter reached my wife from the other ottilie it was evidently written in the greatest distraction of mind upon the very morning after our escape from Budisen. although conversation may not have been a strong point with madame lothner she seemed to wield a very fluent pen she took two large sheets to inform us how upon her husband's return on the previous night his suspicions being by some unaccountable means awakened he had forced from her the confession of all that had passed between us in the afternoon i cannot here take up my space and time with the record of her excuses her anguish her points of exclamation her appeals to heaven to witness the innocence of her intentions but when i read her missive i understood anna's contemptuous prophecy she keep a secret the sheephead i understood also my wife's attitude of tolerant affection and i blushed when i remembered the time when blinded by conceit i had sought this great mock pearl when the real jewel lay in my hand but to proceed the doctor had instantly given the alarm at the palace with the result that the princess's flight was discovered within two hours after it had taken place now the uproar in the ducal household was it seems beyond description two detachments of dragoons were at once sent in pursuit of the two carriages which were known to have left the town that night how we blessed anna's shrewder scheme when they returned empty-handed of course the nature of the trick was perceived prince eugen whose fury it appears was something quite appalling to behold not only because of the reassertion of the princess's independence but because the man whom he had taken so much trouble to obliterate had presumed to be alive after all prince eugen according to his wont took matters into his own hands he sallied forth with his henchman the doctor to make inquiries for himself in the town the result of these was the discovery of the passage of one hans meyerhofer's cart out by the south gate after closing hours this man was known to the doctor whose stables he supplied with fodder as being anna's cousin and the connection of the princess's nurse with the scheme of escape was well demonstrated by her own disappearance this discovery was sufficient for the margrave and very much it would appear against the real wishes of the duke whose most earnest desire was to proceed with as little scandal as possible he with half a dozen troopers instantly set forth in pursuit on the road to prague of these troopers as we had seen most had broken down upon the way and none had been able to keep up with the higher mettled mount of their leader fortunately for us it was after his departure that madame lothner wrote she was convinced as she characteristically remarked 
that the prince would be successful and that the most dire misfortunes were about to fall upon everybody all through the obstinacy of monsieur de Yenico, who really could not say he had not been warned nevertheless on the chance of their having escaped either to england or to tollendal and she addressed a letter to tollendal trusting that it would be forwarded she could not refrain from pouring forth her soul into her beloved princess's bosom and so forth and so on in fact the good woman had wanted a confidant and had found it on paper our next information regarding the court of losites came from a very different source and was of a totally different description it was the announcement in the vienna news sheet of the death of eugen margrave of liegnitz rothenburg through a fall from his horse upon a hunting expedition it was also stated that yielding at last to her repeated requests the duke had consented to the retirement into a convent of his only daughter prince marie ottilie such having been it was stated her ardent desire for more than a year the name of the convent was not given here this memoir begun in such storms and stress within and without continued in such different moods and for such varied motives ends with the mantle of peace upon us with the song of birds in our ears tollendal that i knew beautiful in the autumn tollendal the shrine of our young foolish love is now beautiful with the budding green all round it under a dappled sky but never had the old strong house looked to me so noble as when i brought my bride back to it in the snow as the carriage at last entered upon the valley road and we saw it rise before us high against the sky white-roofed and black-walled stern strong and frowning while the winter sun flashed back a warm red welcome to the returning masters from some high window here and there i felt my heart stir and as i looked at ottilie i saw in her eyes the reflection of the same fire our people had been prepared for our coming by messengers from prague the court of honour was thronged and we entered amid acclamations such as would have satisfied the heart of a king coming to his own again we had broken the bread and tasted the salt we had drunk of the wine on the threshold we had been conducted in state and at last at last we found ourselves alone in the old room where my great-uncle's portrait kept its silent watch janos who his work of trust done had fallen back into his place of hyduck as simply as the faithful blade falls back into the scabbard had retired to his station outside the door without rang the wild music of the gipsies to the feasting people and the tremors of the cymbalon found an answer in the very fibres of my soul to such music she had first come to me in my dreams the walls of the room were all ruddy with the reflection of the bonfire in the courtyard the very air was filled with joy and colour and there was my great-uncle's portrait he was simpering with ineffable complacency and there the rolled-up parchment and there the table where we had quarrelled and where since then i had poured forth such mad regrets oh my god what memories and there was my wife since the events which had first divided and then reunited us forever i had not yet been able to find in the sweet silent docile woman i had snatched back to my heart the willful ottilie of old her spirit seemed to have been sobered her gaiety her petulance to have been lost in the still current of the almost fearful happiness bought at the price of blood and at times in my innermost heart i had mourned for my lost sprite but now as we stood together she all illumined with the rosy radiance from the fire she looked of a sudden from the picture on the wall to me and i saw a spark of the old mockery leap into her eyes and so sir she said 
the forward person who married you against your will is mistress here again after all but you will always remember i trust that it is the privilege of a princess to choose her partner and then she added coming a step nearer to me to-morrow we must fill in the pedigree again what say you monsieur jean nigaud de la ferdondaine now as she spoke her lips arched into the well-remembered smile and beside it danced the dimple and i know not what came upon me for there are joys so subtle that they unman even as sorrows but i fell at her feet with tears end of the pride of yenico